Hello, sports fans. How are we doing? Welcome to Just Sports. I'm your host, John Cawthon, and today we're going to be talking about some NBA topics. So the first topic I have coming up today is we're going to talk about the in-season cup tournament and what that means and how things are going there. Give you a little insight on that. Get you my thoughts on that as well. Talk about some of the good things, not so good things, things to be worked out, whatnot. And then we're going to talk a little bit about NBA expansion, how that's going, um, if it's going, what might happen there, and all about that. And then finally, we're going to finish up with some NBA team talk in the Southwest Division. Uh, again, you know, the podcast being focused on small and medium markets. So we won't be talking about the Dallas Mavericks here. We won't be talking about the Houston Rockets, just to basically say that they're in that division. But we'll get back to that and we'll be talking about the Grizzlies there talking about the Spurs and the Pelicans, all those small medium market teams there. So first things first, we go back to the in-season cup tournament in the NBA. And uh, really curious to see if I can get any opinions on this uh, with you guys and what you may think. Uh, to me, it was very interesting when they introduced it. Uh, first, I was kind of like, oh, great, we're going to turn the NBA into soccer. And I wasn't real sure how that would go, if I would really like that at all or whatnot. But I got to say, like, it has definitely been really good for players and coaches. Uh, and I'll tell you why, because there's tears to this as to what they can win and what they can do. So basically the winners will receive, and by winners, I mean like the players and coaches will receive uh, $500,000 and the runners up would see receive $200,000. And this is per player. And then like the semifinal hundred thousand quarterfinal teams, uh, and players 50,000. And so there is a money incentive to this, which, you know, I think uh, for this point, a lot of players, that's what you need to incentivize them with. So of course is with the money. Right. And then there's the whole prestigiousness part of it. Like you win a cup early on in a season. And so it kind of says something about your team kind of puts that mark. I think owners and, and people in the organization kind of push for that as well too. Uh, you know, that kind of prestigious things. And it is a little bit for the fans, but we'll get back to that uh, part of it with the fans here in just a minute. But I think that's why the players and the coaches are liking it because they're, they're pushing for some money, monetary value here. And it's not just grinding out through a long, long NBA season with sort of nothing to show for it in those first, like, you know, 20 to 30 games, whatever. So, uh, We've seen a lot of teams be pushing hard for it and whatnot. And there's some teams, you know, that just aren't going to be as competitive, didn't have much of a shot into it anyway. Uh, but this is overall, uh, I think, a good thing. Now, there are some potential issues, some potential problems. So, like, you know, looking at the point differential problem, which I know some of the major networks had kind of brought up and had talked about. So, you know, that's something that they're going to have to look at and how that's going to affect things going forward. And do we really want teams running up scores and things like that? So, it, it you know, kind of teeters back to the whole fair playness of the game and, and making things watchable and competitive balance and all that stuff. So I think they're going to have to look at the point differential thing, maybe think about capping, you know, once you say blow a team out by 15 points or 20 points or something like that, that it's, you know, it's not going to matter over that cap. So they are going to have to look into that. Um, I think also too, um, they may need to look at bottom teams, you know, that 50,000 mark or something. I, I wonder if some of the more teams that are in it toward the bottom may not play as hard. So we'll see how that goes. It's, it's one year. So it's a little bit too early to say, uh, but so far indications are, it's pretty good. 
Um, and I, I kind of wonder too, the other issue, and I would think the NBA would do this is they do need to think about the future of it as contracts go up as, uh, CBAs, you know, the collective bargaining agreement between that and the union, will the prize money go up as well? And then at what point, you know, again, this is, this is probably for far in the future, but you know, would it, would it become too expensive? For that tournament is or will it be a stagnant thing no matter what so that's something they'll have to kind of figure out as well as they go forward with this is you know how big does this prize money get over time or does it um and as they negotiate new tv deals in the future will there be some sort of caveat with that as well too like does the team get more percentage if they're essentially on tv more for the tournament uh, so that's other things, too, that I, I can see kind of maybe changing with this a little bit as well. Um, and so but all, all in all, I, you know, this is something that Adam Silver was trying to push on the NBA and they, they finally got around to doing it. And, I, you know, I was kind of a skeptic of it at first. And I got to say, I, I think it's uh, worked out pretty well. I think they've done a really good job with it. Uh, it's making, you know, people pay more attention to the NBA and I think the best part of it for fans right now, although I think there needs to be something for the fans and the team, you know, maybe uh, whoever wins it could secure, a, a, you know, secure a spot in the playoffs or secure something, home field something. Um, but I think the biggest thing for the fans right now is it makes the NBA watchable. You don't have a ton of guys sitting out. You have more guys playing harder. So that's a really good thing. That gets us back. You know, I'm a little older here. So it's, you know, for me, it's like it gets us back to, to what I remember the NBA used to being. You know, we used to have a lot more players just playing really, really hard, especially some of the older players. And so that's really good to see. And, you know, that's going to be really good for the NBA because, uh, of our next topic here, which is, you know, the NBA is talking about possible expansion. Um, and with that, you know, the very first thing they have to do, and Adam Silver has said this, is they got to get the TV rights deal has to be done in, in essentially 2024, beginning of 2025. And uh, once that's done, it sounds like they're going to seriously consider NBA expansion, which is pretty neat um, when you think about it. And there's obviously a big opportunity there. I think that the game has continuously been growing. Um, you know, it's been growing internationally now for a long time, and it's it's still really strong in the USA as well too. So, I think that's something that we're gonna you know we're we're gonna see coming, even if it's not necessarily 2025 or 2026. But uh, so when will it happen? Right, is kind of what we're talking about now, and. Like I said, TV right still has to get done. And Adam Silver said that once it gets done, they can actually really start to focus in on that. They can start probably having conversations with some of these uh, potential ownership groups that have formed or are in the process of forming. And then uh, based on where those ownership groups kind of are, um, will dictate a little bit of some of the cities. Now, I think it's pretty obvious, like any NBA fan will tell you that the most obvious one is Seattle. You have to, if you're the NBA, you have to put, absolutely have to put a team back in Seattle. I don't see how you, as the NBA, you, you can't just go expand to Vegas. You can't just go expand into um, Vancouver, you know, and wherever else and not at this juncture, bring a team back to Seattle, especially because, you know, when we talk WNBA, 
which NBA helps kind of fund that league, which that'll be a topic for another day. You can't have an arena that's NBA ready, uh, Seattle Kraken team that plays in that arena, um, and not kind of be set to have something go down there. Now, granted, there's an ownership group that would have to step up to the plate, but from my understanding, and I haven't researched this really well, but from my understanding, there is an ownership group that is pretty much ready to, to make this thing happen. And I can't remember who all is involved in it. Uh, I haven't seen anything on it just lately, but there is, there is one. I know that. And they're pretty much ready to use that arena for that purpose. And that's why that arena was kind of re, rebuilt and repurposed or whatever so that this can happen. Now, the other thing is Las Vegas. The other city is Las Vegas, which I think will most definitely happen. We've already got the other professional sports, NFL, hockey, you know, uh, those other ones. And I believe soccer's down there too. Uh, we already got all those groups down there. And the NBA's already been using it for summer league for years in Las Vegas. So it's kind of a natural thing that that's going to happen as well. I can't imagine that they're not going to take advantage of that. Um, you know, you've even got LeBron James even already talking about Las Vegas and all that as well, too. So, so that's going to happen. Uh, and it, and the interesting thing about that is that they do do the two teams there. It's also going to create a realignment uh, for the NBA. And I'd imagine the first team that's going to end up in the Eastern Conference, who this is the team we'll be talking about here in just a little bit, is the Memphis Grizzlies. It could force a team like the um, Thunder or uh, uh, maybe even, yeah, so like the Thunder or the Timberwolves would possibly end up um, in the East. You could even do Houston potentially. So, some, you know, somewhere around one of those teams will end up having to end up in the East or two of those teams will end up having the East because you'd have to put the Seattle and Las Vegas teams in the West. So uh, that'll be pretty interesting once all that happens. Uh, I'm sure it will happen. So that is a big deal that's coming on in the NBA. Um, some other cities that they could look at is, is uh, like I said, Vancouver, Montreal, and Mexico City. Uh, those are teams that Adam Silver has also talked about as potential expansion. But I think that when he talks about that, I believe that is more down the road. I think it makes too much sense to kind of take care of the NBA right now. And that is giving Seattle back a team, putting a team in Vegas where everybody else has a team, and getting that done. That kind of solidifies your U.S. market. Uh, there won't, not to say there's not any other cities. I mean, Virginia Beach, Louisville. There's been several others. I think um, uh, another team like in Texas. I can't think of which city people were talking about. Uh, but there's been several other cities. I think San Jose has been mentioned, but I don't think any of them have anywhere near the pulling power when you start talking about some of these international cities like Montreal, Mexico City, uh, Vancouver. I think you kind of have to look at those first before you do any more U.S. cities outside of Vegas and Seattle. Uh, but those could all come down. There's been some proposals that maybe they could even do as many as four teams, which I, I just I can't see them doing four. I think I think you got to you got to do two. You got to get the markets right. You got to give Seattle and Vegas a chance to really kind of solidify themselves a bit, because um, then after that they're going to have to have some discussions in terms of Vancouver, you know, being really really close to uh, Seattle. It's only like. I think it's less than 200 miles, if I'm not mistaken. It's like less than three-hour drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive, or something like that. So 
um, you know, if they do look to expand into Vancouver, eventually that's going to be a tough call, but they, they could more easily maybe do a Montreal, Mexico city expansion. So you could have Mexico city being in the West, Montreal being in the East. Um, you wouldn't have the conglomeration of Vancouver and Seattle, two new expansion teams within what, probably 10, 20 years. Um, I don't know if that's a big deal for them or not, but, um, that may be something that holds Vancouver up from getting their team is if Seattle does get a team. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting once the Seattle and the Las Vegas things happen because, you know, it's kind of like, where do they go from there? And I, I kind of feel like they go from there as international, you know, uh, so we'll see how that goes. And, um, you know, again, Silver's kind of stressed that nothing nothing is happening right now until that TV deal will be done. And then once that's done, they'll, they'll have it. But I, I fully expect between 2025 and 2027 for them to announce some sort of expansion teams. I, I'd, be, I'd be pretty shocked if it goes beyond 2027. Um, the only reason I could think it would is for some reason the ownership groups have not gotten their owners completely finalized or vetted. Um, but I would imagine it, it would happen pretty quickly. And then, uh, you know, like I said, that's going to affect some teams like the Grizzlies for sure. Um, Cause you know, if they do do Vegas and they do do Sonics, those have to be in the West and then who gets moved over? Well, we're going to talk about the Grizzlies now. Uh, so we have uh the Grizzlies, who are in the Southwest Division, Spurs are in the Southwest Division, and Pelicans, who we're all going to talk about. Uh, again, not really talking about Houston or Dallas Mavericks because they're larger markets, so we won't really explore those teams. Um, but we'll start with the Grizzlies. And with the Grizzlies, uh, you know, we're talking mainly – whenever we talk about Grizzlies, and I, I'm a Grizzlies fan, I'll tell you guys. I, I'm a Grizzlies fan. I, I grew up in Tennessee. Uh, so for me, you know uh, – when Grizzlies, you know, came down actually from Vancouver and they were the Vancouver Grizzlies and they moved down here. Um, I was more based around like the Nashville area, but you know, it was exciting. Basketball was one of my first, first sports. So for me, it was really exciting. Um, you know, with the grit and grind way back in the day. And so then Morant got drafted and it's just been really exciting with him. But so biggest thing with John Morant is we're talking about when, you know, his 25 game suspension because of his, um, well, we'll get into that in a minute, but when's he coming back, right? So he's he's slated to come back December 19th versus the rival Pelicans, who we'll also talk about. Uh, he was um, subpoenaed to testify in court for uh, the civil lawsuit that's filed against him in relation to the altercation with, I believe, a then 17-year-old at a pickup basketball game. I think it was fairly close to John Morant's home, if I'm not mistaken. Um and not too long ago, him and his team of lawyers, or whatever, uh, were able to secure the right for him to use uh, the self-defense argument because um, that was one of his initial claims is that he claimed that the guy, the kid, the 17 year old had basically like tossed or somehow hit him with the ball like under the chin and kind of came after him. And and we'll see how all that plays out in court. The kid is, uh, I believe, stating that they basically, uh, him, Morant, and uh, Pack, I think it's Robert Pack, had basically continued to beat him after they had kind of gotten into it. So 
it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, on that. Um, they're supposed to have some hearings coming up, I think, between the 11th and 13th of December here. So we'll see what goes on with Morant. I mean, one thing's for certain, he can't be getting into any more trouble anytime soon. He's get, He's got to be keeping laying low like he has been, keep his focus on basketball, get all this stuff cleared up one way or another uh, with that. And hopefully he's doing all the right things now and he can come back to the team and and just focus on basketball and get rid of all these other antics that he's been doing. Um, now, again, as somebody who's, is, you know, a little bit of a fan of uh, Memphis Grizzlies, it, it pains me to see such a potential Hall of Fame type player having getting on all this trouble and, and it kind of taken away from some of his court time now, you know, and he's not going to be able to develop into that consistently Hall of Fame guy. And even much less get the Grizzlies where they need to be this season if he's going to be getting in all this trouble and it's going to be causing stuff. So, it, you know, I I kind of wish the NBA had sent him an even stronger message and suspended him even more games. But hopefully this will do in his mind and really put him back into uh, the mindset that he really just has got to focus on, on basketball and his life around that um, and not things outside of it or what people want to influence him to do. But they're on a two-game winning streak. This is uh, December 2nd that I'm recording this, and they're just on a two-game winning streak. Um, Desmond Bain's been performing really well. Some other guys like Aldana have stepped up. Um, but they, you know, they, they're having trouble seemingly generating a lot of offense without him out there. I mean, you know, you get like a 20-point score, a big assist guy. That's a huge detriment to your team when they're not out there. So they've been struggling to find that with, without him. So I definitely think they'll be better when he comes back. It may not be right away. It may not be within the first game or two necessarily. Um, you know, it may take them a while to get their kind of rhythm and flow a bit uh, going on, but uh, they could definitely still win games with him being out there. I'll be curious to see if they also play him a lot of minutes right off the bat, or if they kind of ease them in the first two or three games, how they do that. Um, but they're going to need them against the Pelicans for sure. Uh, but well, the big question here is, will they be able to get it together once he's back? Or is that injury to Steven Adams, which was a season ending injury, is that going to be something that keeps them from achieving where they are? I, I do think there's a lot of people not, uh, well, basically discounting how much Steven Adams brings to the ball club there. It keeps Jackson from having to play the five all the time. And, Adams can literally focus on the defensive rebounding, um, you know, take pressure off of Jackson, having to wear himself out on that end of the court all the time. And Jackson could be a more offensive threat. Uh, so it really changes their dynamic. Um, but I think with Morant back, you know, they can, they can at least get back to scoring more points. Um, we'll see how that goes, but it it's, you know, it's something that I think the, the Grizzlies will overcome. I think they'll get better. I don't necessarily think they'll be like in the top five of teams once he gets back. I think that Stephen Adams injury is, is going to limit where they are, but they should be in that, you know, five to eight range um, once they get Morant back, but we'll see. Um, there's starting to be some questions, I think with Taylor Jenkins too, on how good of a coach he might be. If, if the times come for the uh, Grizzlies to maybe seek somebody else, but I think we got to go through the season before we can really begin to question 
uh, Taylor Jenkins. We got to see Morant back in action with that too. Now, uh, the other team that's in that division that's, um, you know, kind of on the low, and I'll talk about them first here is the Spurs. Uh, you know, they got Victor Wemba and Yama, which dude is just fire. I mean, dude is just killing it in NBA. He's already receiving praise from Hall of Famers like Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, and Stephen Curry, and I think a couple more. But I want to focus like on what Jokic was saying. And Jokic was talking about how he's he's 19 years old. He's going to make mistakes, but he's basically already changing uh, the way the game is played a little bit and how people have to uh, def- not only defend him, but um, be able to uh, perform their offense around him and whatnot. So it's it's exciting. You know, it's it's too bad the Spurs are a small market team in a way because they don't get shown enough. But I think the NBA is definitely trying to show the Spurs a little bit when they can. It's just kind of a catch-22 because – you know, most games the Spurs are going to lose. Not not to say that they have bad players. They, they have a ton of young players, actually. And they have a good young core. Wimbanyama, Jeremy Sochan, Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, a couple other guys. And they're all like under, like, I think, I think Nick Collins, their center is like 26. And I think he's one of the oldest on the roster. So, you know, it's pretty... It, it, it takes time. It's pretty hard to make that kind of a team win right off the bat. You don't have the experience. You haven't run into all these different scenarios with even your own group on your own team. Uh, but they're going to get there. And they're also trying to, an experiment with Jeremy Sochan of moving him based at a point guard. We'll see if that works. You know, and if you're going through, you're trying to kind of figure out too, like Wimbayama, is he a center? Is he power forward? Is he small forward? And I know we're in the age of positionless basketball, so don't give me this like there is none of that. I get that, but it's, it's more role defining, right? Like you have to, you can't just throw somebody out there and say, play every spot and do everything, you know, in a way that's what basketball is. But at the same time, your skill set dictates a little bit of what you do and how well you do it. Um, When I was playing basketball and coaching basketball, you just got guys that are a lot better at doing things that others are. I don't want a guy that can't dribble the ball, bring the ball off the floor. You know, I don't want a guy that can't make decisions handling where to go with the passes and how to set up the plays. But at the same time, that that guy who's not good at that is going to get the ball at times and has to make that decision. You know, and then other times a guard's going to get dragged down by an aggressive guard down in the paint. and He's got to know how to do things. But at the same time, the rest of the team then has to understand, be aware, know how to look out for guys that are being put into a weakness and being able to pick up that slack and having to help cover, help defense, all that kind of stuff. So um, the Spurs have just got a long way to build all that up, but they got a, a lot of good young players. They got a good core going. The only real big question for Popovich and the Spurs is that is Popovich. How long is he going to coach? I mean, dude's already 70 plus. So, you know, it's kind of one of these things where you just don't know, is he going to be like Pete Carroll, 74, whatever it is, you know, and going forever and who knows, but the Spurs definitely aren't, you know, winning championship this year. They're not probably winning championship next year. So it does make you wonder, you know, how long does this core need to develop and how long is Popovich going to be around? The one, the one cool thing about the Spurs is I think they're always going to be able to be a hotbed for international players. They're kind of the Kings of the international 
movement in the NBA. You know, it's very fitting that Wimbayama ends up there, but it's it's just a place where I think, you know, they develop good talent, and that's one thing they look for. I think is you know these kind of international players who really want to grow their game and not some of the stardom that comes with some of the U.S. players. So that's one thing that I've always appreciated about Spurs. Um, and another team, you know, that out of these three teams, the one that currently has the star power right now is the Pelicans. You have, you know, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, uh, Valanchunas, um, you know, Murphy down there as well too, uh, McCollum. I, that team has the talent out of the three teams we're talking about, like has the talent right now on the court, I should say. Um, and probably the overall deepest team of these three, uh, they're the better team out of all these three as well, too, right now. I actually think they should be better even than what they are. I think they're sitting at like, uh, I think they're sitting at like right at the, maybe the eighth spot or something as of, again, as of December 2nd. Um, let's see here. I think they're sitting right at, yes, right at seventh, actually. So um, we'll see how that goes today. We got some games on today. But they're sitting right there at that spot. I, I feel like they should be in that top six, like just by their talent. So I'm not sure why. I know they've had a few little injuries here and there, um, but I feel like that shouldn't be the the be-all, end-all of it. I feel like they're deeper than you know than what their injuries have have been. I mean, Zion's been healthy. Valanciunas has been mostly healthy. Um, I was looking at the injury report earlier and a lot of their guys are sitting out just for the rest thing. So, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. Like they're not season ending injury stuff, kind of like what the Grizzlies had with, with Steven Adams. So I, I feel like they could be better. I do wonder about their coach. He was a good player in the NBA, uh, Willie Green, I believe his name is. Um, but I don't know, you know, they, I think they kind of underachieved last year when he was the coach. And it, it kind of seems to me like maybe it's the same right now. Um, so I kind of wonder if they're going to be any better or not. But they uh, they definitely have the talent. They definitely have the depth. As long as they stay healthy, uh, they should just have to be focused on playing better. Uh, I do wonder sometimes about the chemistry with all these guys, if that's sometimes what keeps them from getting way up there. Um and I'm also not sure that it's going to sound really weird. I'm not sure that team has that elite guy. Everybody seems to think it's Zion and wanted it to be Zion. I'm just not sure Zion's that guy. I, I'm really not. He, he, he kind of, without playoff experience stuff, he, in a way he kind of reminds me of Butler. And by that, Jimmy Butler. And by that, I mean that Jimmy Butler's a really good, good player. Really good player. But as as Jimmy Butler's kind of a guy that has to push really hard for everything. You know, he doesn't just have that LeBron-ish type talent. He doesn't have that Durant-ish type natural talent. He he actually has to work as hard as he can to maximize everything he can get out of himself. I kind of feel like Zion is somewhat that way. Don't, don't pay attention to the dunks. Don't pay attention to the dunks. That's not what I'm talking about with Zion. Of course. You know, you can dunk, hey, woo, what do you do? Like, you can dunk Zion, you're, you know, six foot, eight, whatever, seven. And, you know, you, you've been doing it all your life. Like, no, I want to see the efficiency in his game, you know, which to his credit, so far, he's been really good this year. He's thinking he's finally living up to the potential that he should. But I don't know. I don't know if he just needs 
to grow through this year and then become that guy. But point is, I don't feel like the Pelicans have, you know, if, you, if I were to break down a list of like the top 10 elite guys, I'm not sure he'd be in that list. He, he might. I'd have to go through it, but I'm not sure. So I'm kind of curious what you all think on that one. Uh, feel free to disagree with me on that for sure. I, I definitely expect some pushback there, but uh, I could probably argue it. And again, I'm not these whatever games he's played, 16 games, 18, whatever. Don't quote me at those right now. Like I said, this year so far, he has been probably the most efficient he's ever been in his NBA career. But the question is, do you think he's going to sustain that? And can he keep improving from what he actually is to what he could be? That's that's the thing. I'm not so sure, you know. Um, but they, it, I think out of all the teams in that division, I mean, you know, Dallas, Houston, Pelicans, I, I still feel like the Pelicans should – just by their depth and everything they have on the team, they they should really rule that division. Um, I mean, Dallas essentially could be really close in there too. I'm not really buying their depth, but they do have, you know, uh, Irving and Doncic obviously carry a lot of that team. Um, but I don't know. Pelicans just have the all-around depth, the all-around better players. They they really should be the leaders in that division. Um, but, yeah, so let me know what you think about that. Uh, let me know what you think about the topics here as well, too. If you got something to add, appreciate it. And um, we uh, are going to be talking probably with some college football coming up in the next podcast with the committee getting ready to decide uh, who's going to be in that top four and with these games this weekend. So I'll probably try to break down some of that for you. And I hope that you uh, enjoyed listening, and thanks for being a part of Just Sports. And as a reminder, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as like radio.com. Uh, um, you can also go to Red Circle, Just Sports, find it there. And so share it uh, with people, let them know where to find it, and I'd be grateful for that. Otherwise, let me know, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye.